This is Jim O'Donnell from the Taos Land Trust. You are listening to our bi-weekly podcast about land, water, culture, and conservation in northern New Mexico. Thank you for joining us on the Taos Land Trust podcast. This is our third year, and this season we are looking at adaptations to climate change. We've talked to several different folks about the impacts of climate change on New Mexico, and this year we are covering uh, ways that New Mexicans can adapt to climate change. Um, And so today we have Dave Simon and Sarah Herto from Albuquerque, and we wanted to talk with them about the Albuquerque Urban Forestry Plan and urban forestry in general. So Sarah and Dave, thank you for joining us. My thank pleasure. you. It's great to be with you. Sarah, why don't you start off and give us an introduction. Tell us who you are. Sure. Um, so I work for the Nature Conservancy in New Mexico. I'm the climate program director. And I came to urban forestry work um, as a urban program director for the Conservancy in New Mexico five years ago and started really seeing urban forestry as a way to mitigate and adapt to the impacts of climate change in our state. And it has evolved um, over those five years and includes lots of partners, which I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to talk about. But really, um, my background is I'm a wildlife biologist by training. And so I come to this discussion from the lens of how do we create habitat in our communities for nature and all of the species that make our lives Um, enjoyable when we're outside, but also how can we translate that into benefits for um, humans in in urban settings. And so that's how I sort of approach this work. And I'm lucky enough to be able to expand this statewide now that I'm the climate program director. Great. Dave, uh, who are you? Well, hello, Jim, and hello to your listeners. Appreciate the great educational service you give uh, New Mexico through your program. Uh, I'm Dave Simon. I'm the director of the City of Albuquerque Parks and Recreation Department. Uh, it's a department with a an important uh, mission in our in the largest city in the state, and you know impacts uh, the entire city. Um, I basically have 25 years of experience working in parks and conservation issues. I've worked on uh, national park subjects. Uh, I've been the state dire- uh, director of New Mexico State Parks, and now I'm the head of the, our state's largest um, urban parks program. So I come from a background of uh, conservation and park and recreation and trying to protect and grow trees in the natural wild setting and also now in more of an urban setting. Great, great. Thank you guys again for joining me. So let's... Um, Let's start off with this basic question. What is an urban forest? What is urban forestry? And Dave, let me pitch that to you first. Well, I think, you know, in general, it's simply defined, you know, urban forestry is the the effort to grow, plant, grow, and maintain and care for trees in an urban setting. You know, if you uh, get the vantage point of looking down on a city, you know, from space or from an airplane or just from, you know, the second floor of a house in New Mexico, which is sometimes rare, uh, you can see the the canopy of trees uh, in a city or a community. And, you know, it's quite a, 
like a nice feeling when you look out and see a large expanse of green uh, canopy across a community. And the, you know, the goal of the urban forestry program is to, to, to grow and nurture uh, trees across the community. And not every tree is, you know, is a tall tree and not every tree has the kind of giant canopy that we often imagine there. But regardless of the size or location, you know, trees are a critical element and component to a healthy uh, and climate resilient community. So our, you know, our goal here is to, uh, to care for trees on public lands, that is, you know, lands that are owned by the city and its numerous uh, departments, but also to encourage and promote good tree stewardship by private landowners across the city, whether those are residential owners or commercial property owners. And Sarah, you want to jump in there and add anything to that? The forest um, is more than just the trees. And I think it's important to recognize that um, we need to consider all the parts of the urban forest, and certainly trees are the central central component of that. But the understory vegetation and what's on the ground and the mulch that we use, organic mulch and, and things like that, um, are a really an important um, aspect of the holistic view of a forest. And if we're trying to recreate the natural systems of a natural forest in an urban setting, then we need to think inclusive of the trees, but beyond that to um, include other species as well. Okay. So that could include, that could include things like shrubs and bushes. Understory flowering plants, native grasses, you know, organic mulch instead of rock mulch and things like that, that are going to aid the health of the soil and the plants and the, all of the things that they need to be able to thrive, particularly as we're talking about our temperatures increasing over the coming um, decades and century. Okay. And why does, why is the Nature Conservancy feeling, feel that this is important? Um, and why is there an effort um, going into helping Albuquerque or working with Albuquerque and other towns in New Mexico? Why, why do you guys, why are you doing this? Yeah, that's a great question because um, it's a little outside of what people most know the Nature Conservancy for. And so um, the reason that we're doing this is because we have about 10 years to really make a dramatic impact on climate change and how it's influencing um, our economy, our society, our environment. And coupled with that, there's also a massive decrease in our biodiversity across the globe. And so these two crises are intertwined, the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis. And so to be able to combat those impacts, we need to be working everywhere, including cities. And this is where the majority of the populations live. So more than 80% of people live in urban environments across the globe. And that number is only increasing. So we need to reach people where we're at with our message of conservation and our message of what they can do to reduce the impacts um, of climate change and also the impacts on biodiversity by doing little things in, 
you know, in their yards, in their sphere of influence that will help um, reduce the broader impacts. So let's go into how urban forests and how this urban, um, um, having more nature in urban areas, how does that help a city and a population adapt to climate change? And before you answer that, let me back up just real quick. Sarah, are you guys working with other communities in New Mexico outside of Albuquerque? I, my role switched from urban program director to climate director in January. And so I'm really at the very beginning of expanding this work beyond Albuquerque and the metro area to the rest of the state. And so um, this is really the key work of this is the Climate Ready Trees project. And the city of Albuquerque was a, a great partner in that work with many others, it's a, it's a collaboration among many partners that came together to look at what trees we should be planting um, now that can sustain and thrive in our future climate. And that work is now being expanded to statewide. So there are roughly five different USDA hardiness climate zones throughout New Mexico, and the Albuquerque list was specific to the Albuquerque metro area, but we're replicating that so that individual lists that are appropriate for the other climates ready by this fall. Oh, that is really cool. Okay. And I want to get into some of those species here a little bit later, but that's, yeah, that's really interesting. So Dave, let's just go back to that previous question. How do urban forests and integrating nature into the urban environment, how does that help us adapt to climate change? Well, I think first you just have to recognize that trees and a a healthy urban forest, uh, you know, as holistically defined, you know, by by Sarah there, they offer incredible, diverse, direct, indirect, and intangible services and benefits to humans, uh, to wildlife, and, and to communities. So, you know, even before we had our current level of concern about the globally changing climate, you know, trees have been contributing uh, to our communities in in just numerous ways, and and climate change has now brought that into sharper focus, and and I believe has you know underscored some of the more important benefits uh, that trees have as we respond to a changing climate. But you know, just just to back up, you know, people know that trees provide very direct benefits in terms of the the beauty you know, and uh, sort of emotional benefits of, uh, of a wonderful setting that trees provide to us, you know, in, in enhancing our overall environment in which we live and work. Uh, trees obviously provide shade. And when they also, when they provide shade, they also provide tremendous uh, energy benefits. Frequently, trees can help conserve almost 30% of the energy used in a home if they are planted uh, in a smart way or around a, a residence or a building. Uh, trees have tremendous benefits for filtering uh, air pollution and for enhancing air quality. They help to filter and slow uh, runoff of stormwater, and uh, th- therefore they help preserve soils as well, but they clean air and water. 
And now as climate change concerns have elevated, we now are having much greater understanding of how trees help to remove uh, carbon dioxide as well as other atmospheric pollutants, if you will, uh, from the air <clears throat> and, uh, and store carbon in a beneficial way. And then, you know, last but not least, trees can have a very significant economic benefit for, you know, residences and commercial properties and communities as a whole. You know, for example, a well-planted residential lot has been shown to have as much as a 15% higher home value, you know, when it comes to reselling, you know, a property. Uh, homes that are adjacent to large uh you know, aggregations of trees, such as in uh, public lands or in parks, those also have a much higher value than comparable properties that don't have uh, trees or parks near them. Rental rates are higher in commercial offices that have high quality landscaping. And believe it or not, studies have often shown that shoppers will even spend more for goods and services in business districts that high, have high quality tree canopies. So the, the role of trees in helping us respond to climate change is absolutely vital and needs to grow. But trees have been doing good things for us for thousands of years, and now that's in even more sharp focus. But I think, you know, really, as we talk about climate change now, you know, the, the ability of trees to help us uh, reduce energy use, save and conserve energy, and, and clean air and water and particularly help remove and store carbon is really uh, the prime benefit. You know, you mentioned this basically cutting your energy bill. That's something that's very tangible to, uh, to individual people. Dive into that a little bit. How does that work? How, how does a tree help you save money at your own house? Right. Well, first of all, I think it's, it's important to remember that while we often focus on things like um, power plants and oil and gas emissions and tailpipe emissions from vehicles, which are the largest sources of greenhouse gases uh, that are, you know, threatening our, our planet. Uh, energy consumption, 30, about 30 percent, I think, of, of energy consumption is tied to buildings. So if we can conserve and save energy how we use it in the built environment, we can significantly reduce the amount of energy we need Therefore, it lessens the stress on natural systems and our global system to, to generate that energy. And of course, we can be more careful and wise in how we spend our, our time and treasure in generating energy. So essentially, I'll, I think Sarah can jump in here uh, right after me. But you know, if you plant trees around, for example, a house or a commercial structure in ways that help shade the property in the summer, you can help significantly cool the building and rely less, for example, on uh, on air conditioning, refrigerated air conditioning. Uh, or, and then conversely, if you plant trees in such a way that you enhance passive solar gains uh, in the wintertime, you can, of course, take advantage of the energy of the sun, clean renewable energy, and reduce a wintertime heating bill. So essentially, you want to be smart about, about how you plant the south-facing sides of buildings in particular. You want to shade those in the summer and ideally expose them to maximum solar gain in the winter. Sarah, jump, jump in there. Yeah, so I agree with 
um, what Dave is saying, and he laid it out so beautifully, um, all of the economic and, and social benefits that we gain from trees. I think I'll just add that what Dave is talking about with correctly placing trees on the south, and I would add western um, sides of buildings, you're talking about deciduous trees there, so trees that lose their leaves in winter. So you get the, the full canopy shade in the summer, but then when those trees disappear and they're, and they're bare in the winter, you get the solar radiation. So instead of choosing a tree like a, a pine um, or an evergreen species that has its needles or leaves all year round, you would want to choose a tree that loses its leaves. And you're doing that on purpose because of the energy benefits. Um, another thing that I'll just add is that um, the monetary value of the urban forest, you know, there's some estimates in Albuquerque that that equates to $1.9 billion. So um, and the annual carbon sequestration benefits is estimated around $16 million with annual increases around a um, million dollars a year. So you're talking about nearly $2 billion worth of infrastructure that we have in our city that's not really being valued for, um, for the, the benefits that we're receiving from them. And especially when you think about it from, you know, a $5 million annual increase in value as those trees grow and mature. So it's really important to think about planting the right tree in the right place. And so, you know, this, this energy savings piece of it is one piece of the equation that you need to consider to make sure that you're planting the tree in the right place. You want to make sure that you're looking for overhead power lines and underground utilities so that when you're planting the tree, that it has all of the overhead and underground volume that it needs to be able to grow into its full mature size and give us all of the benefits that Dave so nicely laid out for us. And I'll just jump in again, uh, Jim, because, uh, you know, the, the Nature Conservancy's fantastic work globally, you know, has focused on preserving biodiversity on our planet, essentially. And we also have a kind of a complicated, you know, questions to solve when we plant trees. You know, we have to understand what is our purpose and primary uh, objective, you know, in planting a tree or many trees in a certain place. And, you know, in addition to all of these energy issues and, and things like that, you also have considerations about the habitat that these trees may uh, offer to, to living things, to wildlife. And so you, you balance all those things out and, uh, you know, because some trees may be very helpful and beneficial for uh, native uh, birds, for example, wherever you live, or they may provide uh, food and shelter for small animals. So, you know, cranking all those questions into the sort of black box of what trees you plant and where you plant them helps you arrive at the right answer to the question that Sarah has, uh, you know, pointed out, which is the key question in planting trees. You want to plant the right tree in the right place. So I want to get into next 
the details of how the, the, the Albuquerque program works and the different layers of it. But my first question um, is, how do you make people care in your community? And the reason that I ask that is that at the current moment in Taos, we kind of have a community that doesn't understand the value of trees, and we are losing our tree canopy in, in Taos because as trees mature and get um, and get to their full height, a lot of them are being cut um, and not replaced. And also, we do seem to have among private landowners, but also the, the town government, a certain sense of let's, trees are a nuisance. Um, one of my neighbors actually cut down a, um, an elm tree and, and I realize it was an, an invasive species, and I'd like to discuss elms later, but cut down a large, probably 30, 40-year-old elm tree recently. And when I asked why, they said they didn't like the, um, the seeds. And I said, well, your house is going to get warmer. And they said, well, that's what we have air conditioning for. And that attitude is very, is, is very common up here in Taos, that trees are kind of a nuisance. So so before we dive into the details of, of uh, how Albuquerque program works, how do you make people care? Well, uh, Sarah may have you know her own answer to that question, um, but I think you have to always find, try to fit the key to the lock. And some people care more about some aspects of, of trees in a healthy urban forest than others, and some people care about different elements of that. So for some people, the key may be economic. You know, for other people, the key may be social and emotional, right? You know, for example, we have a lot of people who care about trees and they want to plant trees uh, to honor or in uh, something or someone or in memory of somebody. So, you know, they care a lot about trees because it represents an enduring legacy, right, for them. Uh, and in other cases, again, uh, people respond to different price and regulatory and social signals, right? So in some cases, I would say one way to make sure people pay attention and care about trees is through proper uh, regulatory programming in, in the urban setting. So, you know, having an effective and comprehensive urban forest ordinance, for example, can help both encourage uh, people to do the right things and also to prevent, you know, some sort of, you know, the, 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 the tree train leaving the tracks, if you will. So we want to make sure that people have basic responsibilities for trees, uh, particularly in commercial settings where they're developing, you know, new properties. And we want to encourage people to maintain trees on their property. But, you know, you do have a split between public land settings and private land settings, Jim. And, you know, government approaches those properties uh, differently. But I think the, the main commonality there is we want to encourage and incentivize and in some case control and regulate how people plant and then maintain trees uh, on their properties. And in some cases, we may need to say, no, you have a process that you have to go through if you're going to remove a, a mature tree or let us help you. Uh, plant trees on your property. I think we need all of those strategies to answer your question of how to make people care about trees. 
Yeah, I um, I agree with Dave. This is why we work so well together. We approach things in a really similar way. And I guess I'll just say it in a, in a slightly different format, which is you have to meet people where they're at. They're not all going to approach it from seeing trees of the intrinsic value that I see in trees. And that's okay. And so we have created a wide variety of tools and you know what I would consider on-ramps and off-ramps for people to enter the system and exit the system from really different vantage points so that we can all meet the final objective, which is um, the goals of a, a thriving urban forest um, community, reaping all of the benefits that nature provides for us, human, social, economic, and the like, and um, and that we can make sure that we're doing it in a sustainable way. And sometimes that means incentivizing people doing the right thing. Um, and I'll, I'll also just agree and, and sort of highlight the idea that, that Dave brought up of some level, minimum level of regulation like um, preservation ordinance to protect these older trees, even elms, um, to make sure that we can sustain our canopy while we build the next generation trees in the pipeline. Hi, this is Christy Nortez, Executive Director of the Taos Land Trust. For 30 years, we've been keeping working lands in working hands. To do that, we need your help. We need your cash. Please donate at tauslandtrust.org donate. Thank you. We're speaking with Sarah Herto from the Nature Conservancy and David Simon from the Parks and Recreation Division of the City of Albuquerque. So let's dive into the Albuquerque program and whoever wants to take this on to start. And I, I know there's different layers. You mentioned, um, you both have mentioned that there's, you know, there's private lands, there's public, uh, publicly owned lands and different aspects to this. So Break down for me how the Albuquerque program works overall. How do you get tree plant trees planted, and how do you maintain them? Well, first, I guess I'll just say that, you know, Albuquerque has had an urban forestry program for a while, and it is, uh, you know, it has broad responsibilities, including caring for trees on public lands and parks, and also being kind of a resource for Albuquerque residents to get solid professional information on on tree care and then also to uh, look after the streetscapes and and things like that that have uh, the trees on them. What we've tried to do over the past couple of years uh, is to ramp up this urban forestry program so that we can a- achieve really three main objectives. And those objectives are, first of all, to better care for trees that we have in the urban forest and trees that are planted going forward. One of the biggest challenges in an urban forest program uh, is to care for and nurture the trees that we plant. We want our children to reach adulthood. We want our trees to reach adulthood. And too many trees in in Albuquerque uh, don't make it past their five to seven year age. So we wanna really increase care for trees. We wanna plant more trees. So just simple numbers game of planting more trees to 
enhance our canopy. And third, from just the purely governmental perspective, we want to make sure that taxpayer dollars are being used efficiently and effectively and that the city's urban forestry program is organized efficiently to deliver the best services for uh, for the money that taxpayers provide us. So I'll, I'll just then add one other thing. We started from a standpoint a couple of years ago of wanting to enhance our urban forest program. And the key element to that is partnerships. That no one organization, governmental or non-governmental, is going to be able to do all of this on their own. And we need strong public-private partnerships to do these three things that I outlined. Plant more trees, care for them better, and then make sure government's doing its job correctly. So the underlying foundation of this was to organize existing uh, organizations, public and private, to come together, first of all, to look at how we could enhance Albuquerque's urban forestry program. And so we set up a task force to look at that and prepare a report that outlined a path forward for enhancing the urban forestry program. Sarah and the Nature Conservancy played a very, very important role in that. And I think that is really a good starting point for any community to take a good look at its, its existing efforts and look to see what are we doing well, what can we do better, and what's the roadmap for enhancing our program. Sarah? Yeah, thanks. I'll just add that I agree that we need these strong public-private partnerships. And I think one of the steps that we sort of highlighted in the report that Dave mentioned is the need for a broad awareness campaign to highlight the issue of trees in Albuquerque, similar to the situation that you were talking about is happening in Taos, that people are not appreciating their trees, they're cutting them down, they're you know, they're not understanding the consequence, financial or otherwise, to, of their actions of removing those trees. And so we, as sort of a next step to the path forward that was laid out in the, that initial report, we did two things. One was we set a tree canopy goal. We wanted to plant 100,000 trees um, by 2030. The mayor Keller announced this goal on um, on Earth Day in 2019, and we've been working towards that since then as a as a collaborative. Um, we've formed a formal coalition that's called Let's Plant Albuquerque. That's made up of multiple partners, including the City of Albuquerque, Bernalillo County, the Water Utility Authority, State Forest forestry, um, and other nonprofits, Tree New Mexico, Dakota Trees, and of course, the Nature Conservancy, you know, I serve in that, in that capacity as well. And, and that group really is focused on the messaging around what are the importance of trees, how do we care for trees, and making sure to give people a way to get engaged if they're so inclined beyond the work that they do in their own homes. And so those are sort of the key initial steps that Albuquerque took to um, sort of meet people where they're at, try to figure out how we can engage the broader population in caring for trees for whatever the reasons that they have, 
and give them the tools to do that in a way that would sustain the urban forest um, for future generations. And Sarah, dive into some of those partnerships just a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind. Like, how, how does this actually work to understand how, say, an organization or a neighborhood uh, cooperates with the the city to get trees planted or just some nuts and bolts on one or one or two of these these partnerships? Yeah, well, it, there's a few things here. So one is um, many of the people in the group that I just mentioned, the alliance, um, we worked together to build a tree stewards program and launched that a few years ago as a way to have volunteers train similarly to a master gardener or a master naturalist type program where they enter into several weeks of training where they get the most up-to-date and best practices on how to care for trees, how to plant trees, um, and how to steward trees, pruning and whatnot. Um, and then, and then they become our sort of eyes and ears out in the community. They can talk to their neighbors. They can talk to their neighborhood association. Um, they can speak at their community groups that they're engaged with and bring people in and help us disseminate the knowledge that we have amassed in this core team out to sort of the public at large. And so that's one way that we're sort of working on on that piece. One of the things that um, this this pro this program, um, Tree Stewards, is managed by a nonprofit called Tree New Mexico, and again, they're a statewide organization. and And I am working with Tree New Mexico right now to expand um, the Tree Stewards program to make it available, making that curriculum available for communities across the state. So that's also in the works. Um, to, to bring this beyond Albuquerque and make sure that these resources are available for all the communities. And I think I'm going to turn it over to Dave to have him talk about the Neighborwoods program, which is also a partnership with Tree New Mexico. Um, they're looking, again, I'm working with them as a way to replicate the, the Neighborwoods program in other cities and towns across New Mexico. Dave, to talk about was initiated with the city of Albuquerque. Yeah, so I think, again, there's there's multiple tools, you know, in our kind of comprehensive effort to enhance the urban forest, uh, both its, its scope and its care, you know, in Albuquerque. Uh, education uh, is critical, but when it comes down to sort of planting trees, uh, you know, it's all about, just as we'd say with the vaccine, you know, right now, getting shots in arms. And for trees, it's about getting trees in the ground. And we really need kind of uh, engagement with communities to help get trees in the ground. So the Neighborhoods Program is one of the more successful approaches that has been developed in Albuquerque over the years. And it partners the Tree New Mexico organization with neighborhoods uh, to do neighbor, you know, neighborhood tree planting events. So we'll try to identify uh, a neighborhood that may uh, benefit from having more trees planted. And then essentially the Tree New Mexico goes out and recruits landowners who are interested in having trees planted on their property, or we may identify 
tree planting sites along streets and medians and, and whatnot. Then uh, volunteers are recruited to help with the tree planting and events organized. And the whole community of the neighborhood comes out uh, to work together on typically a Saturday to get about a hundred trees in the ground in one wonderful couple hour period. Uh, and this really relies on both partnership uh, between professionals and neighbor volunteers to come out and, and plant the trees. Now, the, the nice aspect of the Neighborwoods program is we put about a hundred trees in the ground. And then a week later, Tree New Mexico helps coordinate the free distribution of another hundred small tree saplings that uh, neighbors can pick up for free and then plant uh, in places of their choosing on their properties as well. So sort of each neighborhood's project gets about 200 trees in the ground or in the community. And these are funded by um, a combination of uh, city dollars and also some private um, philanthropy that uh, Tree New Mexico uh, brings to the table. But a key ingredient there is the sweat equity that neighbors have in improving their blocks and their own yards, you know, in their own uh, neighbor, uh, neighborhood. So that's a great program and we can replicate it uh, over and over. And it, one of the wonderful uh, outputs of that is engagement and education. So there are other programs that also operate through uh, incentives, for example. Uh, Albuquerque has had a very successful uh, program through the Water Utility Authority for many years now called the Treebate Program. And this program was modeled on a very successful program that Albuquerque set up to help uh, homeowners conserve water in their homes. When, we, when water conservation became a community-wide critical objective for Albuquerque about 20 years ago. So the water utility began handing out incentives and rebates for people who would, for example, convert uh, a, an older commode into a low-flow toilet, for example. You could get a little rebate on your water bill if you made an investment in water conservation. Well, the Treebate program is modeled on that same concept. So the Water Utility Authority will give a maximum rebate of $100 on a resident's water bill to help cover the cost of the purchase or maintenance of uh, new trees. They, these trees, of course, have to be uh, on a list of approved trees for planting in our high desert environment. But this allows, this empowers residents, individual landowners to go out select trees that they may want to plant on their own properties to beautify their, their homes uh, and then receive uh, a rebate on their water bill. And, you know, for a hundred bucks, you know, that's a significant incentive. Yeah. So, you know, th it's a mixture of strategies. I also mentioned some of the other things the city can offer. For example, we have a memorial tree planting program where people can, um, choose to honor or memorialize a friend or loved one through a, a tree planting in a public park. And we make that very easy for people to do. Uh, you know, we just work with them to select the site and the tree. Uh, the, the um, you know, the resident can then just fund the cost of that tree of which 
is partially funded by the city and partially funded by uh, the, the citizen. And then we've set up other ways for people to get engaged in helping to plant trees throughout the city by setting up our Let's Plant Albuquerque fund through a local foundation known as the One Albuquerque Fund. And so now anybody from anywhere in the world can make a contribution to our Let's Plant ABQ fund, which is sole, the sole purpose is to fund tree plantings around the city. And people can find that very easily on the internet by going to onealbuquerquefund.org. And there's a really easy way to give back and reinvest in our community through tree planting. So what I'm hearing is that it's not just that the city government of Albuquerque has a program. There's this spider web, if you will, of of uh, different programs and initiatives and incentives and cooperations um, that are all linked and tied together to make this possible. Yes, and I think really there's no other way that we can meet our objectives to have a healthy urban forest unless we uh, have this partnership approach and a multi branched, no pun intended, you know, pun intended, a multi-branched approach to getting trees in the ground and having them cared for throughout their their lives. And, you know, that educational element that Sarah uh, began, you know, speaking about the tree stewards program, you know, it's it's really just as important as putting new trees in the ground. Once we get trees in the ground, we have to have people who care for them and maintain them. And a, a group of people who are um, great sources of information and professional expertise for landowners who just simply want to know how to take better care of the trees, uh, you know, on their properties. But again, I think there's, there's other mechanisms for how we can do this. And I mentioned some of those before, like we have a development ordinance in Albuquerque that mandates a certain minimum number of tree plantings in new developments and certain mandates for planting uh, trees along streets and medians. And really, those kinds of tree plantings uh, play a very important role in filtering and reducing air pollution in the city because trees' uh, benefits for air pollution, they, the, the higher, they go higher the closer they are to sources of, of pollution. So if you can plant trees close to streets uh, that, and then keep them alive, uh, they'll you know, give you back much more benefits. So that's a regulatory program. And I think, you know, we should be looking um, carefully at how well that's working and get the maximum benefits, you know, uh, from tree planting where people are required to, to do certain things when they're developing properties or redeveloping properties. I'll just add really quickly that the importance of the Let's Plant Albuquerque Alliance of, of all of these organizations working together came out of the strategy work that we did as a community, as a collaborative, that really highlighted that there were lots of these areas of education or planting that certain members of the alliance were better suited to to address than others. And so working collectively together, we can achieve more impact 
by working together than we can individually. It just, we can't replicate all of this work by each organization by themselves. And so it's really important. I just really want to highlight that this community of tree organizations, tree enthusiasts and tree advocates that have grown out of this alliance is really, these are a lot of dedicated people that are volunteering on their weekends um, to plant trees with Tree New Mexico. I know Dave and I see each other pretty regularly at Tree New Mexico neighborhoods plantings, planting trees on our Saturday morning. And, um, and it's a really a great um, collaborative, supportive effort. We're not competing with each other. We all have the same shared goals and objectives, and we're all playing to our strengths to make sure that we are contributing to the broader impact. Yeah, you know, and I'll say, Jim, that no, no matter how uh, important or sometimes insignificant each of us may feel in our ability to uh, combat uh, climate change, you know, there's nothing more satisfying than planting a tree. When it all, you know, when it all boils down to it, you you can do a very, very tangible, real, present good by getting the tree into the ground. And it, it's a great feeling. And I think, uh, you know, we want to open up this process and catalyze that so more people can have that fantastic feeling of, of success and in, in doing something good for their community, you know, and just feeling terrific about uh, the work that they've put in. So I really feel like uh, it's, it is all about engagement involving more people in that positive feeling of, of investing in their community. And tree planting is just one of the best ways that people can get involved and make a difference. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that idea is getting out there and doing something tangible for your, for your neighborhood and community instead of just waiting for someone else to do it. Um, I, sticking with some of the details, Sarah, you mentioned the Climate Ready Trees Project. So basically, if I understood that correct, it's lists of trees that are adaptable to climate change and suited for the different um, planting zones throughout the state. So I'd kind of like to dive into that a little bit. I mentioned earlier just elms, right? So, you know, part of the largest part of the tree canopy and Taos um, are elms, these invasive Siberian or some, some people call them Chinese uh, elms that uh, put out all the seeds in the spring. They use up water. They have uh, aggressive root systems. They're all over Taos. And it's one of, it's probably the largest part of our, our tree canopy up here. And people in general hate them, but they're a really adaptable, strong tree that offers a lot of benefits. So I guess I'm wondering how you choose what trees go on your climate ready list. Yeah, lots of great questions here. I, I myself have a love-hate relationship with Siberian elms. And just as a point of clarification, Siberian elm and Chinese elm are two separate species. They have different characteristics and, and I know that people often confuse them. And so Chinese elms, while they're not native to this continent, they um, do not have the same seed patterns as, um, as Siberian elms do. And, and so they're, they, they're not invasive. So 
there's a, an important distinction between those two particular species. And I know sometimes um, they're hard to tell apart. So that's really helpful. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. 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 So, um, so in the idea of the climate ready trees list, what we did is we looked at um, all of the um, intergovernmental panel on climate change that, you know, the, the global um, climate models. And we, we looked at what the temperatures around the Albuquerque metro area is uh, projected to be at end of century. And then we equated that to the USDA hardiness zone, because oftentimes when you purchase a tree from your local nursery on the back of the tag, it will tell you the USDA hardiness zone that that tree will survive in. And so it's one, it's one of the best ways that we have to link up the future climate condition of an area that the tree will experience over their lifespan, right? So we have a different time scale than the tree does. The tree is gonna outlive us by a long shot. And so we need to plan for their future, not our future. So, so what we did was we made sure that um, we looked at the USDA hardiness zones. We evaluated over 130 species of trees and accumulated a huge amount of data to sort um, those trees based on essentially how well um, they will do in the future climate, both heat and cold, because in Albuquerque, we do have the occasional snowstorm. And so um, they do need to be able to tolerate freezing temperatures, but then you know our temperature is going to continue to ramp up. And with heat island impacts, that is amplified. So, so we wanted to make sure that the trees that we're planting now can handle both the heat and the cold of future climate conditions. And so that's how we came up with our list. Um, there was a scoring criteria. Um, and, and so we used that as a guideline. We also double checked our list with certified arborists and commercial nurserymen and many other industries industry professionals that have years and years and years of experience working in the Albuquerque metro area to make sure that their lived experience of how trees do in the ground in Albuquerque matched up with our sort of science-based scoring effort um, based, on the, based on the data that we had available and, and reconciled those things. So that's how we came up with those lists. And again, the the point of this was to um, to ensure the viability of the trees that we're planting now. So some of these tree species are familiar for people living in Albuquerque. We use them all the time. You see them all the time. And that's great. What we did was confirm that they're still great trees to be planting. And in other cases, it sort of introduced or reminded us as a community that there are lots of other things that we could be planting other species that still are good fits for Albuquerque. Right. This then- process is being replicated so that these lists, because Taos is going to have a different USDA hardiness zone at end of century than Albuquerque, right? And so this process is being replicated for those other areas of the state. And so those tree lists, um, they've 
we've already generated the initial list and we're in the process of reaching out to experts right now to confirm the scoring that that has already been completed. So those lists will be out and ready for people for fall planting season. And that and that's my goal. For other parts of the state. Yes. So for the the tree lists and the uh, the climate ready uh, tree list for Albuquerque, you know, the public can see those at a couple of different places. They can they can go to uh, nature.org backslash New Mexico trees, which is the Nature Conservancy website, uh, where they can see a full list of climate ready trees there. And again, this is the Albuquerque list. They can also go to the city of Albuquerque website, uh, cabq.gov backslash parks and recreation, and they can see the list there as well. But again, uh, the the specific list for the other communities in New Mexico, it's wonderful that Sarah's tailoring those now for other places. And just one other thing about your comment about elms, Jim, you know, uh, that's, you know, the, the Siberian elms were introduced, you know, to New Mexico uh, during, you know, the, the Great Depression and the decades following. And, and uh, they were just planted in huge numbers. And in many parks in Albuquerque, they are the dominant uh, species in the camp, right? And so we have many parks that are lined with uh, wonderful old uh, elm trees, many of which do uh, bless us with millions of flying seeds in the, in the spring. Um, and these trees are reaching, some of them are reaching the, the ends of their natural uh, lifespan. So one, you know, one big question is then what do we do to replace uh, the elm canopy? Well, the good news is that uh, there are other elm species that are adapted to Albuquerque on our list of climate-ready trees that will, they'll, uh, they're hardy trees, they'll grow fast like some of these other elms, uh, but they lack the blizzard of seeds in the spring. So, you know, for example, in Albuquerque, we have a couple of other elm species that are on the list that uh, people can begin to plant now like frontier elm is a, is a popular species now that we're putting in the ground uh, throughout the city. So, you know, you have to think a little bit long-term and think about the evolution of the tree canopy and over time, you know, how it can change. And I think as Sarah pointed out, our goal is to evolve the canopy so that it's prospering, you know, 50 years from now. You know, we've, we've, we've been chatting about an hour um, now, and I really appreciate your guys' time. I just have a couple of, you know, last-minute questions. And the main one is, how can other towns, especially small towns, small communities like Taos in New Mexico, what are some of the first steps that we could take? We do have a tree board. It's a, it's a very small group of, of volunteers, but we don't have really an overall community effort. And what can towns like Taos and Raton or other small uh, communities across the state do to kind of move it forward with a, with a climate-adapted urban forest? Well, I would just say that um, a good place to start, you know, is by convening a community conversation about the urban forest in your community. You know, let's let's start by bringing people together and finding areas and you know goals of uh, commonality. And, you know, finding all the different ways that we can work together, and again, identifying 
some of the people and organizations that can all grab an oar, you know, and pull together toward a community goal. So that's kind of where I would start. That that has um, been helpful here in Albuquerque and given us a foundation for moving forward. Awesome, Sarah. What about you? Yeah, I think that um, state forestry is a great resource. They have an urban and community forestry program that helps um, cities and towns across the state work on urban forests, and they can certainly be a resource. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, the Nature Conservancy and Tree New Mexico are working on several initiatives to expand tree stewards um, programming across the state and also the accessibility of climate-ready trees. And so those are um, some an, some initial things that, that tree boards and community conversations can center around as you figure out where are your assets, what are the gaps, and maybe a road to a goal. And, and those are sort of the initial steps that I would suggest for local communities across the state. Um, anything else you guys would like to add to wrap up? One is where can people find more information about the work? Uh, Dave, you gave out some, um, some websites, uh, cabq.gov backslash parks and recreation. That, that's a good spot. Um, questions can be, you know, addressed over email to uh, urban forestry, all one word, urbanforestry at cabq.gov. That's great. And I will be sure to put those links in the, um, in the show notes uh, on SoundCloud. Both Dave and Sarah, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to, to educate us on uh, what, what Albuquerque is doing and how this all works. And um, I hope a lot of other areas of the state can pick up on this information and, and move forward. So thank you guys again for your generosity with your time. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, our pleasure, Jim. And I'll just say, you know, there's a there's an old Chinese proverb about trees, and it it says that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time to plant a tree is today. So if we all pitch in together, you know, we can make tremendous uh, progress uh, all across New Mexico, and uh, let's plant together. Awesome. That's a great way to wrap it up. Sarah with uh, Nature Conservancy and Dave with the city of Albuquerque. Thank you guys again. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. You've been listening to the Taos Land Trust Podcast. This podcast was produced and recorded by Jim O'Donnell in Taos, New Mexico. Edited by Brett Tomadin. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit www.tauslandtrust.org. This is Jim O'Donnell for the Taos Land Trust. Thank you for joining us.